Well, good morning, morning everyone. It's my pleasure to welcome you to our service this morning as well. And uh, if you do have your Bibles, please turn to James chapter 4, as we will read from that in a moment's time. But uh, I hope you have a, a, are having a good long weekend as well. Uh, for the first time in five years, well, probably longer for us as a church, uh, we have not attended state youth games. Uh, this is a, a time, this is the weekend where, uh, 50 to 60, maybe more of our youth and young adults head down to, uh, the Warrigal area with about 3,000 other young people and are usually playing sport, camping around the fire, um, trying to stay warm and, uh, sleeping in tents. And so, uh, uh, this, uh, this weekend is a, is a bit different. It's, uh, it's, it was sleeping in a, in a comfy bed this, this, over the, this weekend. It's, it's been somewhat of a pleasure. Uh, but also, I know many of our, our youth leaders and uh, some of our youth have been trying to, to build up that state youth game spirit. And so, uh, there have been some fire pits going on. There have been some tents pitched uh, and people sleeping in them over this weekend. So, uh, I uh, just wanted to let you know uh, of that, as this is uh, is the weekend when uh, many of us would be away doing that. Well, I wonder whether you have uh, ever considered the Bible as giving you advice on the way you are to plan uh, your life. Everything from making long-term plans to to medium-term uh, plans to short-term plans even like what you are going to do tomorrow or how you are going to uh, prioritise the things in your life over the next week. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of James and and particularly from uh, chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, where James talks all about planning. The way we are to approach our planning the way we approach our plan of our day or our week or our, our year, uh, is important to James. And here he gives uh, some instruction on how we are to include God in our plans. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to, to James chapter 4 and I'll read from verse 13 through to 17. Now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Well, let's chew on that for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. But before I begin, let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can take the time and opportunity this morning to come to your word. We thank you that we are able to um, dig in a little deeper, see what it has to say for us. Uh, Lord, we pray that your spirit may uh, work within us and transform us, uh, both to see your word and to then put it into practice. 
Lord Jesus, we, we thank you once again uh, for this morning and this, this word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we are living, in fact, the world is living, really, in the or through the perfect illustration of this exact passage right now. Don't you think? Whether you're a, a New Year resolution kind of person or whether you're someone who only thinks a day or two ahead, 2020 really has been turned upside down, hasn't it? We have all uh, just blown up in everyone's faces. And uh, the, the world over, life has changed, our plans have changed, the goals that we set perhaps have changed now. And so these words from James become quite poignant, become quite particular. These words about future plans really fit our moment uh, right now. In fact, I think it fits so well that only if we adjust verse 13 a little bit, we may be able to see how, how exactly uh, it, it, it impacts our lives a, a few, with a few different ideas. And I hope you, you'll get what I, what I mean when I say this. Like, let's, let's read verse 13 again with, with now in mind. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, I will look for a new job because the current one isn't really what I'm looking for and it's time to change up things a little. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Or perhaps, now listen, you who say, today and tomorrow I will go ahead and have that elective surgery which I've been putting off for a while, but it's good to have my hip or my knee replaced. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It is but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I hope you're getting my point. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow I will invest extra money in my superannuation account so that I can have a little extra come retirement. Now, you, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, I will really enjoy this year having all the kids at school. It will give me a little bit of extra time and maybe I can work a few extra days. Now, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, I will join the gym and get fit and get healthy. Now, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, I will travel to Europe have a lovely holiday, perhaps jump on a cruise, explore the history of the cities and, and you know, perhaps spend six weeks there and, and enjoy myself. Well, maybe one of those sorts of ideas are relevant to your life and your situation. Maybe there are uh, uh, many more you could come up with, but it feels like, it seems like, this, these, this passage and particularly these verses fit our current moment. Our world has turned upside down over the last two or three months. Our planning, our goals, our activities that we were looking forward to have all been squashed. They have changed. And in what James writes here to his readers and consequently to us is that we are not to presume the plans that we make for our lives We're not to be presumptuous in the plans that we make, but we are to give them over to God. 
give them over to the Lord, knowing that he wisely and purposefully is in control of this world. And this is what leads me to my first of two points uh, this morning off the back of James 4:13 to 17. That first, planning without the providence of God in mind leads to prideful presumption. First, planning without the providence of God in mind leads to prideful presumption. In context, James is talking particularly to business people, to to merchants who are making plans in order to make a profit. He is giving a word to those who make plans for the future, specifically with making uh, a profit in mind and really without any concern of what God might, might be willing for them in their life, without any concern for God and his plans and purposes for them. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that vanish, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The purpose of their plans is to make a profit But this planning is presumptuous. They are presuming that they can go do this. They are not taking in, uh, in the law, they are not taking God into account at all. And it may well be possible that they they can do this, that they can go to uh, a particular place and enact business there. It may well be that the Lord plans for that to occur, but to make plans without the consideration of God Really, what James is saying leads to error and shows a prideful nature. James highlights this error and this pride of of presumption uh, by acknowledging that we simply do not know what is ahead of us. We do not know the future, what will happen tomorrow. We simply do not know how long or how short our life may be. Who knew a little while ago that we would now all be using hand sanitizer? Previously, we may have just used it when we visited the hospital and visiting a friend or, or when we were out camping and needed to use it before uh, a meal or, in my instance, we're using it after changing a baby's nappy. And whoever knew of the phrase physical distancing Surely the phrase of 2020, but we didn't even know that that phrase existed. I certainly didn't, let alone imagining that we can no longer hug or handshake, that we have some some sort of set metric to uh, make sure that we are a certain distance away from someone else and and also that we need to to account for how many people can, can fit in a particular sized room. Who knew all that would be occurring? two, three, four months ago. We simply do not know what will happen tomorrow. We're not in control of much, are we? And what is here today may well be gone tomorrow. When a loved one dies suddenly, when there is a health diagnosis or some form of injury, when 
there is a sudden job loss, when there is a burglary in the home, when there is a relationship breakdown, when there is a miscarriage. When something unexpectedly happens, our plans are disrupted. When, suddenly, when something suddenly unexpectedly happens, we realise how little control we do actually have. When something happens unexpectedly, the presumptions about the future that we hold vanish, disappear, no longer hold up. In the words of James, aspects of our lives and life itself are but brief moments of time and then vanish. In the words of the, uh, the modern hymn, All Glory Be to Christ, we at RBC sometimes sing these words, Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house, in vain its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life, a mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. Verse 16, James uses words like boasting, like arrogance, to reflect the nature of planning without God. To be so presumptuous in the way in which we are to view the future, the way we are to act about what will come, ignoring God shows a pride of heart and how little we take God into consideration when making our plans. You'll most likely know the story of the Titanic. In 1912, the Titanic was the largest passenger ship of its time. And prior to its departure from Britain to the USA on its maiden voyage, the vice president of the company that owned the ship said this, There is no danger that Titanic will sink. The boat is unsinkable and nothing but inconvenience will be suffered by the passengers. Yet, of course, to everyone's horror, on its maiden voyage across the seas, it hits the iceberg and it sinks. And there, leaving many dead, a huge shock to the world, the Titanic vanishes and so do many others. The presumption, of course, was that the ship was indestructible, that it was safe, that it was secure. Yet, in a matter of hours, the ship and people vanish. There was a sense of pride in what could be accomplished. This huge ship, built with the best materials, strong, able to take us across the seas a pride in what could be accomplished by humankind, then turns into a heart of pride in being so presumptuous about its journey and its safety. How often, I wonder, do we make the same presumption about things in our own life, about things about our own future, our own plans. 
Matt Perman, in his excellent book, What's Best Next? How the Gospel Transforms the Way You Get Things Done, says this, says these words about this exact point. We often go about our planning as if it were just any other activity. But the scriptures teach that to make plans without acknowledging God is not just wrong, but arrogant. There are very significant things that we miss if we do not give serious consideration to what God has to say on these matters. We cannot be truly productive unless all our activity stems from love of God and the acknowledgement that he is sovereign over all our plans. In all our planning, in all our goal setting, in all our resolutions, in our preparations, in our devising, in all our preparation we have to include the Lord, acknowledging him in our plans. And it's an, it is important to recognise that James isn't rejecting planning altogether. He's speaking out against those who are being presumptuous about their plan, in their planning, not acknowledging their plans in the sight of God. He, he wants to say we should hold them loosely, recognising that God may have other plans for us. So wisdom in planning is found best in the wisdom literature of the Bible. The book of Proverbs affirms this. In, in Proverbs 16.9, it says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Well, again, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So for those of you who are dedicated planners, it's okay. You can still have your highlighted diaries. You can still have your to-do lists and your multicoloured wall planners. You can do that. You can still book the holiday for the summer break, if we're allowed. Uh, you can still book that holiday for the long weekend, if, we're allowed, if possible. Uh, and you can still apply for that new job, of course. You can still put the family dinner in the diary. You can still make plans. But in those plans, in that planning, whether short, medium or long term, in that planning, acknowledge God. Acknowledge the Lord and give your plans over to him. Remember to hand them to the Lord and acknowledge him as you go about that daily, weekly, yearly planning. And this leads us to the second point I have for us this morning. Uh, While James is taking fire at those who are presuming uh, the will of God in their lives, he just doesn't leave it there for us. He actually goes on to make uh, the application for us as well. Instead, he gives us, I think, a, a better perspective. And so that second point is that planning with the providence of God in mind leads to prayerful planning. I have a, a few friends who, uh, in, the, in the course of conversation, will, will always use the phrase, Lord willing. 
I'm not sure whether you have friends that do the same in your life. But it's like, let's catch up again for coffee next month, Lord willing. Let's, uh, I'm going to be going to the beach for the summer holidays, Lord willing. Or, uh, Lord willing, I'll uh, be studying James in Bible study in the second half of this year. Uh, and for a number of years, in the conversations that I have with them, I get a little put off by it. Uh, I get put off by it because, well, uh, I sort of think, stand there going, well, of course, mate, of course, Lord willing. If, if God's got other plans, well, then that won't really happen. So can't we just assume, Lord willing? Can't we just assume that and take that for granted? It, it sounds so much like a cliché. And perhaps I've been convicted as I've been studying this uh, over the last few weeks. Because James uses that here in verse 15 and, and it's certainly not a cliché for James. It isn't just a way to cover our bases and our plans, our future plans and what we're wanting to do. Rather, it is giving us a perspective on planning, a, pers- uh, a perspective And this, of course, is taken from verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. James is concerned about the perspective that we have in our planning, making sure that it includes God and his overarching will in in our lives and and this world. So this perspective is to recognise that God plays a significant role. His wise purposes, God's providence is over us. And we are part, and our plans are part of God's providence for our lives and for the world. And so the question becomes, are we humble enough to recognise this reality, this perspective ourselves? Deo valente is a Latin phrase that is often used at the bottom of emails and, and particularly letters uh, many years ago, uh, other correspondence, and this phrase, Deo valente, essentially means Lord willing or God being willing. It's essentially what James is on about here. It captures this perspective, this, this essence of what James is saying. And in using this phrase in correspondence or with friends, in, even in the conversations I have with my friends, it's not simply a, a, a cliché, but it is stating two important uh, facts beneath it, or two important things. Because first, it is a statement of humility. It is acknowledging our dependence on God, that our plans are in his hands and his ways are greater than any of our ways and our plans. In, in this phrase is the recognition that life changes at the flick of a switch often. And this means that our plans may be disrupted and that whatever plans we do make, we need to make in humility under the Lord's providence for his, his hand is greater than any of our plans. And so it is a statement of humility. But second, it is also a statement of faith. When we say Lord willing, 
we are saying that God has this world in his hands. He is sovereign and knows what's coming. Nothing is a surprise for him. When we put our, hand, when we put our plans into the hands of God, we are by faith coming to God and saying that we are not our own, that our lives are not our own, that our plans are not our own, that in faith we come and we say, these are our plans, Lord, but we know you may have greater plans for us. And so I will entrust my plans to you. A statement of faith, faith in God. And again, Matt Perman's book, What's Best Next?, is helpful in this. In his section specifically on weekly planning, his first point is about lifting our plans to God, bringing them to God. And so he says this, we have an amazing privilege as Christians to integrate our planning with prayer. Prayer is essential for our planning because God is the one who ultimately makes our plans effective. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16.3 But it's not just that prayer serves our planning. Our planning also serves our prayer lives. This is Matt Perman again. The, the whole point of weekly planning is to identify the most important items to move on this week. Those items are, above all, items for prayer. Begin your planning as a time of prayer, asking God to help you to identify what's most important and as you make your plans, ask God to work for his glory on your behalf in those things. The act of humility and the the act of faith is shown true in prayer. In the act of saying, Lord willing, In the act of prayer itself, we acknowledge that our plans are not, perhaps not the plans of the Lord, but we give them to him, hoping that they may be achieved. The opening words of the Lord's Prayer also acknowledge this, Matthew 6, 9 and 10. This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We can't pray that unless we come in humility and faith. We can't pray that unless we recognise that God and his providence is over all of us. In humility and in faith we place our trust in God whose providence, his purposes, his care, his wisdom, all of this combined guides our world and guides our lives. And often in ways that we don't even understand. Who can understand the last three or four months? Who can understand this week? Therefore, we are to hold our plans loosely, give our plans over to the one who, can, who is greater and wiser than all of us combined. Amusingly, as I was preparing uh, for this message this week, uh, I had one of those days where my plans were torn apart. And I'm sure you... Uh, You've had these days too. But my, uh, my plan was to knock off a number of items throughout the day, as, as many of us probably try to do as well. They're, they're sitting there on my to-do list. And about 20 minutes before I had a, a meeting, uh, my wife Jen calls and she says, uh, where are my car keys? And I said, uh, your car keys are probably in one of the boys' bags. 
And the boys happened to be at daycare because uh, I dropped them off there. And uh, so that probably means you can't go and pick them up because you have no keys for the car. Uh, and actually, looks like I'll now need to leave whatever I'm doing uh, and go and pick the boys up. And so uh, in a mad rush, 15 or 20 minutes before they were due to be picked up, uh, I needed to, and before I had an appointment, uh, I needed to cancel my meeting, I needed to rush over and pick them up and there, of course, were Jen's car keys for their other car. Well, I, uh, this obviously resulted in me postponing a meeting uh, for a couple of hours later, uh, finally getting back to it. The person I was meeting with ended up only having to have 10 minutes with me uh, because they had something else to do as well. And on the way there, I spilled coffee over my jeans. Uh, so the day was going terrifically well. And then I'm sitting there at the end of the day and suddenly I have a terrible thought. I think, oh, as I rushed out of the, the church office, I left the heater on and I left my window open. Great. How am I going to solve this issue? Thankfully, there were some very kind people nearby who could go in and uh, just check whether my uh, terrible thought that I'd done that was actually true and the problem was fixed. But at the end of the day, I wondered how it had gone so wrong. The, uh, the plans that I had made were disrupted. They, uh, there wasn't anything earth-shattering in those, though, were there? Nothing earth-shattering in there, but as an example of how often we can have our own set of plans and the Lord, perhaps, has others for us. But in wrapping up uh, this morning, perhaps uh, this is a reminder that you need for us. I wonder uh, what, what kind of reminder it is for you. Is it a reminder of the need to assess the desires in our heart about our future plans? Those plans that you make or want to make, are they coming under the assessment of God? Are they, are they for personal gain and personal profit? Or are, I wonder what's driving those plans that you have for the future? Or perhaps this is a reminder of the need to bring your plans to God. That seems to be the clearest point here that James is making. As you seek to undertake your plans, lift them up and bring them to the feet of our Saviour. Are you lifting your plans to God? Are you recognising the need for him in all and every part of your life? With many of our plans being disrupted right now, perhaps it is a reminder in this season of humility and of faith. If there's anything we can learn uh, from this, uh, this time, perhaps it is the reminder that we are not our own, that, that in fact we are under the Lord's providence. He has greater wisdom and knowledge than all of us and so may we grow in humility and in faith during this time. It reminded me of the words of 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for this word from James. And Lord, may we come to you in humility and faith now in prayer, acknowledging that you have your hand upon this world and that we, in fact, have very little control over our own lives, let alone things that are outside uh, of it. Uh, Lord, we pray that we may lift our plans to you. May our plans take into consideration what you desire and your heart and rule for this world. In Jesus' name, may we remember that. Amen. Well, we're also using this time as we close our service as a time of communion. And uh, my steward will help me in communion by bringing up uh, bread and, and juice for us. And as I said earlier, the act of... Uh, The act, of, uh, the act of prayer, or humility and faith, is shown in the act of prayer and, and also in, in using this term, Lord willing, acknowledging the Lord's hands in our plans. And this morning, as we participate in this, this act of communion together, this again is an, is an act of humility and faith. Uh, for here we recognise that, that the Lord has shown his great love shown his great love of mercy, where mercy and justice and love come together through an act on the cross. His love, his mercy, his justice towards his creatures and his creation come together through Jesus on that cross. At the end of our our little section in James here, our passage, verse 17, I didn't touch it in, our, in, the, in the sermon, but it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. In what's all gone, it seems like this is an exclamation point in the book of James. It's sort of wrapping up uh, his, this, all of what's gone before. Yeah, the call to show love, the call to live out our faith. Uh, by what we do in our, in our actions, the call to show no favouritism, the call to watch the way in which we speak, the call to resolve disputes and differences among us, the call to not judge others, the call to acknowledge God in our planning. All of this then comes to an exclamation point. We should know the good. And if you know the good and you don't do it, then it is sin for you. And these are often big ideals, aren't they? These big ideas that James has, uh, has mentioned for us. But, but we know that, that whether, when, we, when we fail in them, we have a saviour that shows his love and his mercy and his justice towards us. Because here at communion we recognise that we, we're not perfect. No one's perfect but God alone and, and we'll never be so. But instead, we come in faith. We come with humility, repenting of our sin and acknowledging that Christ has died for us, that Christ has shown his love and mercy and justice towards us. Express through his Son, who takes upon the sins 
of the world and wipes them clean. And God wipes them clean because of the body and the blood shed for us through our Saviour Jesus Christ. And so as you come to communion uh, now in your homes or, or who you are, whether you're with someone or, or whether you are alone, I encourage you to take the bread and take the cup. And I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians uh, 11 where Paul says, on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this is the cup of my new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May you in your own time eat the bread and and drink the cup. And uh, I will shortly close our service in in prayer. And uh, feel free to join us in in the foyer afterwards, but... Otherwise, I encourage you to, to sit. There'll be some music for reflection coming through, uh, coming through our feed. And uh, perhaps think a bit more about uh, of what, I, what James has been saying here about planning, uh, but also acknowledging the need for Jesus in your life. The need, the reminder again to come in humility and faith to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you that this is what unites us as believers, that we know what you have done for us, the love and the mercy, the justice shown through your son on that cross. Lord, help us to repent of our sin. Help us to come in humility. Help us to come in faith continuing to believe and to hold on you hold on to you in these strange times in these tumultuous times lord help us to come in humility and faith and continue to trust in you and, and obey you lord we thank you for the life that we have and we thank you for the plans that we can make lord may we give them over to you Lord, we take this bread and we take this cup, a reminder of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Lord willing, of course. Why do you let the wind and the waves distract you?
Oh, you have no faith. Aren't you tired? 